one of the greatest skills that you can possess as a salesperson is to learn how to work with upset people. It's something that nobody talks about in the world of sales and most people don't talk about in the world of business. It'll do so much to set you apart and it'll make your life so much easier. Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California. Today is a good day. Today I'm coming to you live from my studio, but I figured here's the thing. I want to go over some content with you that most salespeople and most companies don't think of. And it's how to work with upset clients. And I want to let you know I picked that title for a reason. How to work with somebody somebody is completely different than how to deal with somebody. And when you work with somebody, that means that you're working towards a goal. When you deal with somebody, it seems like you're just trying to to rub some dirt on the wound or put a Band-Aid on it. And my way may not be necessarily your way, but the cool thing is, is you could use it for a roadmap. You could say like, you know, I like five of 70 of these things that Scott says, but at least you have a roadmap. Most, most salespeople don't ever work towards this. Uh, at one point, I was able to do over 400 interviews and help companies look for new employees, look for new managers, look for new supervisors, look for new salespeople. And it would always be amazing to sit down and listen where so many people would say, I'm a fast learner. I'm good at what I do. You know, call my references. And out of these 400 people that I interviewed, two people, two people that like really stick out my mind said something along the lines of, I'm really good at working with upset clients or I'm really good at working with difficult people. And if you really want to truly be a closer in sales, you really want to elevate yourself above the position of everybody else. This is something that you could really set yourself apart with. When somebody's upset and they're angry about something that they bought and it's not working and they call you, they're like, Hey, I've got a problem. They're asking you for help. They're saying, Hey, sales guy. Hey, sales girl, I've got a problem. And you're my key point person. You're the person that I built rapport with. You're the person I have a relationship. I need your help. And sales is about making promises. It's about asking questions, but making promises. That's why you have guarantees. That's why you have like, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is, this is why I'm the person for you. It's all based upon claims. You're paid commissions for this in one way or another. Now, very rarely are there industries where, where companies or products will say, once you sell this, it's hands off. You don't talk to the client ever again. You know, it's just, it goes to the company. It's all based upon that personal relationship. So if you're paid commissions, it comes down to you're accepting the responsibility of saying, if they've got a problem or a service, I'm going to do something to help them out. I'm going to find a way to fix what's going on. And this is what they're thinking in their mind. You're, I'm, I'm buying something from you. You're making a commitment for, to me that if there is an issue that you're going to fix it. Historically, buyers are used to being handled. They're not used to having good conversations with salespeople and they're not used to having the issue fixed. They're not, they're not used to working a problem through. They're used to finding all sorts of roadblocks and not being able to get things taken care of like they want to. 
I see a lot of problems with salespeople who procrastinate at this point. They get a call, an email, a text message from a client saying, I've got a problem. And so what they do is, oh, I'll deal with this tomorrow. And tomorrow never comes. And the more, uh, the more time that a buyer is able to stew and think about what's going on, the angrier they get and the more that they want back. So if I have a $10,000 product and somebody calls me and says, hey, I want to get this fixed. If I can get out there today and get it fixed, it's like a $10 fix or a $100 fix. If I wait a week, it's a $500 fix. If I wait two weeks, it's a $1,000 fix. If I wait three weeks, it's a $2,000 fix. And if it wait four weeks, you know, people want their money back. They want a free puppy and they want a free car. So the sooner that you can take care of a, a concern that a buyer has and help them work through what their concern is, the easier it is for you. It's like the faster you can get something taken care of, the easier it is. Now, I'm not saying you have to speed through the process. I'm just talking about how soon you can get there and how soon you can help the person out. Section one, how you can help. Believe it or not, if you can invite the person to tell the story, you want this person to tell the story. I will share with you from working with upset clients, you're probably gonna hear the story three to five times. And it's really easy to get bored but the person is saying, hey, look, you know, people buy on emotions and justify with logic. You're going to have to deal with my emotions for a minute. You're going to have to deal with what's going on. Let them tell the story. Let them, let them do what needs to be done. You know, you'd be surprised at how many times just by sitting there and listening to that story, what it does to help you out. Now, this isn't about the speed, about how fast something gets taken care of or how fast you have the conversation. It may be the speed about how soon you get there or how soon you can talk to the person. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to speed through fixing what's going on. You don't want that person to feel like they're being handled. You don't want that person to feel like they're being dealt. You want that person to feel like they're the, the most important person in the world because to them, at this point, everything's going sideways. You're the person to help them out. They are the most important person in the world. And if you, if you try to push this too fast, what's going to happen is they're going to get upset and they're going to say things like, you're not listening to me. You're not doing things right. I'm not happy with you. Ask if it's okay to take notes. You know, if you look at a lot of professions, what happens is if you go see a doctor, if you go see an attorney, uh, if you go see a lawyer, these, they, by default, they're like, Hey, do you mind if I take a couple of notes? Well, it means that that conversation is important. And sometimes people will be like, that's weird. Why do you want to take notes? I would want to make sure that we're both on the same page. What it really comes down to is when you talk to somebody when they're upset, the pitch and the tone of your voice really do matter. How you control your voice. You could use your voice as a hammer or you could use it as a scalpel and you could work with people and you can help them out just by varying your pitch and tone and the speed. If the person feels like you're trying to get them off the phone as fast as possible or get away from them from face to face as fast as possible, you're not going to have the same ability to come up with a solution. Read back the notes. Hey, here's what I heard. And a lot of times people will be surprised when they say like, you took really good notes. You listened to everything that I had to say. And occasionally they may come back and go, you've got one through eight, but you missed nine through 10. And if someone says nine through 10, those things are important to them too. You want to make sure you write those down. Next on the list, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to ask them what they want. Now, at one point I was a like, I would say supervisor, manager in a pizza restaurant, like 18, 19. And I remember that I would watch the managers and the supervisors on nights where I wasn't in charge. Well, what happened is someone would be upset about their pizza. So the manager would be like, all right, well, I'll just give you a brand new pizza. I start thinking about it. I'm like, well, what is it the person wants? And a lot of times I would find out from the person like, well, you know, just fix it. And I just want some breadsticks. 
Well, when you take a look at the cost of things, breadsticks cost far less than an entire pizza. Just by asking the question of what somebody wants, at least you have a starting point. Now, remember, the earlier that you can get this taken care of, like if you can get it taken care of today, if at all possible, always costs less than a week from now, always costs less than a month from now, always costs less than two months from now. And it may just be that the person says, I want you to just throw this one small thing in for me. They just want to win. They just want to know, like, I had my time validated. You wasted my time. I'm upset. And because you wasted my time, now I need something. If there is a time that needs to be spent working on this, give the person a timetable. Here's what to expect. Typical results can happen in four to five days. For something like this, it usually takes seven to 10 days to get it fixed. For something like this, it could take up to 30 days. But give the people a timetable. And you got to have to live up to that timetable. And you can't just push the people off and hopefully like things get solved and they're, they're not ever worked on. That doesn't work. If you make a promise, you got to keep it. You know, this is the one of the biggest differences that I see in Joe's versus pros when it comes to selling is like the the pros, if they if they make a promise, they're going to keep it. They're going to take care of somebody. Even if it hurts them a little bit in, in the short run, they're like, it's, they know it's far better to take the hit a small hit right now than a large hit later. Section two, what if you need a team? Well, the team works this way. On the information that I'm going to give you, you could scale this down. If it's just you and another person, great. If it's you and a couple of people, this can work too. Get whoever you need to have involved. Send out the email, send out the text message, pull a meeting together, pull a got a minute meeting together, whatever you got to do to get the people involved, depending upon the scale of the emergency you know what the emergency is in your industry. I, I don't know. I'm talking to you on the how to sell show. I don't know everything that you do and how you fix everything. But, you know, real deal is, you know what it's going to take to help with the problem and help fix the problem. Create a plan. What's it going to take? Like, here's what the request was from the client. Here's what the request was from the buyer. In order for us to make this happen, here's a list of things that we're going to have to do. And you can go around the table. You can go around the, the Skype session. You can go around the emails. What do you need from me? How do, we, how do we get this taken care of? How do we work in this timetable? And then over-communicate. So if I'm working with Mary, I'm going to say, hey, Mary, based upon everything that we said, I'm going to send you an email right now. You say that you have this from here, so I'm out of it, right? And Mary says, yes, Scott, you're out of it. Great. I'm going to send you an email. But before you do that, you always want to define what does success look like? What's, what's that thing that's going to be looking great for the client? What are they going to be happy about? How are, how are they going to be excited about what's going on? And then implement. If, if you've handed everything over to your mythical Mary or whoever the person is, you may have to check in and say, hey, what's going on with this, this client? How are they? You may have to go to the client. You may have to call the client. You may have to email them. Say, I just want to make sure that we're checking in, that we're on the same page. Everything's good? You're good? And the cool thing for you is this is your opportunity to shine. This is your opportunity to get testimonials. This is your opportunity to get referrals. Like people will say, Hey, look, you know, you're going to show me your best when you're selling. What is it going to be like if there's an issue? How's it going to be when, when you've got, you know, me upset with you? You know, I would, I would go to people when things would go sideways and I would do everything I could to make things happen as fast as possible for them. Not speeding through the process, not getting them handled, but like, Hey, look, you're a priority. I want you to know that things are going to take care of. These are the promises that I made for you in my sales appointment. You know, you can't outwork me. You can only underbid me. And I, I would get people to repeat that with me in my presentation. I'd be like, hey, there's going to be a quiz at the end of the presentation. I live by a rule. And here's my rule. You can't outwork me. You can only underbid me. And then so like I joke around in the meeting. I'd be like, hey, what's Scott's rule? Oh, you can't outwork Scott. You can only underbid him. And sometimes people would say, well, you know, I, I want to go check out this other company. I'd be like, hey, great. 
here's what you need to know. Look at all these testimonials that I have, and I would use this as one of the ways to overcome an objection. Scott did cost more money, but when there was a problem, he was there to fix it. And that's one of the things that buyers are looking for. That's one of the reasons why there are guarantees. That guarantee is meant to be peace of mind. That guarantee is built to help reduce resistance. And if you follow Omega Strategies, uh, Dr. Eric Knowles went over a lot of this before he retired at University of Arkansas, that that's the pure definition of a, of a guarantee is meant to reduce all the fears that a consumer is going to have. It's all 100% risk reversal. Section three, follow through. Whatever promises you made, you're going to have to do it. And, you know, the, the buyer, the client's not going to want to hear excuses. They're going to know, is it going to get taken care of? Are you going to take care of me? Or are you going to be like every other salesperson? You know, I dealt with so many upset clients when I was a manager and then also when I was training people and also as a salesperson. This conversation in one form and another would come up like, I don't want this to be like every other salesperson that I've ever dealt with. I don't want to be handled. I, I want to know that like when you promise me something, it's going to get taken care of and you could take this word track and adapt it and fix it for whatever that you do. You know, you could, you could say, Hey, look, you know, I understand that my role here for you is to help facilitate. If there is an issue, call me, I will help you as much as I can to get it taken care of as soon as possible with whatever you need. However, you're going to say it, adapt it to yourself, make sure whatever you, you did is right. You know, so many times companies just want to say that they did something. In their minds, you know, something is better than nothing, done's better than perfect, so we're just going to slap something together, you know, just get this person to leave us alone. It, it boggles my mind. I know I say this a lot, but it boggles my mind how many companies are around that really don't take care of their clients. Check in and follow up. You know, I, I'm going to have to use my example. Anytime that a client had a problem, I'd always put it in my schedule to, to give them a call two, three weeks later or go back to their premises and say, hey, how's everything going? And they would always say, like, I'm surprised that you came back. Like, you know, I haven't seen you for three or four years. We have a problem. We called you. You came out. Like, hey, remember the promise that I made you? You can't outwork me. You can only underbid me. Would you mind giving me a testimonial? Would you mind writing me a review? Would you mind giving me a referral? Like, you know, what salespeople don't understand is at the point of a problem, you taking care of whatever is going on is proof that whatever you promised in your sales presentation is what you're delivering. And if you're promising, if you're delivering what you promised, why not ask for a referral? Why not ask for a testimonial? And a lot of times people are very gracious. They're like, you did everything you told me that you were going to do. Absolutely. I'll give you a referral. I'll give you a testimonial. Sometimes they're going to tell you no. That's okay. Tell me no. I don't care if eight out of 10 people tell me yes and two out of 10 people tell me no. I'll take that all day long for referrals and testimonials. Remember, the cool thing that you could use a testimonial for is to reduce a rejection. Somebody says, I want to think about it. I had testimonials for, I want to think about it. Someone says, your price is too high. I had testimonials for your price is too high. You know, I went with Scott. The company he worked for was far more than anybody else. But at the end of the day, he delivered what he promised. I had a problem four years after the job was sold and he came back and he fixed it. Like that is a freaking awesome way to deal with objections. But everybody always wants to use old school sales, like feel, felt, found. And you know, what is it you got to think about? Like, it's like, you really want to overcome objections? Use testimonials. That's a that's a pro tip right there. This whole process seems like it's uh, it may be a lot of work, and it might be a lot of work the first, second, third time that you do it, but it gets easier over time. The good news for you is most salespeople are lazy. Your competition. They're not listening to a podcast right now. Your competition's playing video games. Your competition's at the bar. Your competition's drinking. I'll give you a stat. I look at my stats for downloads. Most of my episodes are listened to between 2 and 6 p.m., right? And it doesn't matter where in the world. Like I see I get a lot of downloads from Europe, Morocco, Italy. I get downloads from 
Australia. I get downloads from uh, the Middle East. Doesn't matter. Between two and six. And the chances are good right now. It's between two and six your time, wherever you are in the world. But the good news for you is most salespeople are so lazy. They won't even, they won't even think about this. They won't even put pen to paper. They won't put an idea together. They won't even think about like, how do I make myself better? They won't do it. And when you, when you're able as a salesperson to help upset clients, it makes you that much better of a salesperson. It makes you that much better at what you do. And once again, the good news for you is most salespeople won't even do it. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.